You'll never get to heaven if you break my heart. So be very careful not to break my heart. Hello. Hello, Merlin. You have to wait at the beginning. All oh, right, sorry. Call recorder starts. Okay. You know how that harshes my mellow? Wait, what? It harshes my mellow. Har- harshes? <sighs> it harshes my mellow. I like to do a hard, fast, cold, immediate, hot start. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, now look where we are. Yeah. Now what's going to happen? Halfway through the show, we haven't, haven't done any topics. Yeah. Well, you got you to wait an hour for call recording. Right. That's customary. How's it going? Going good. Going all We right. got lots of stuff. I, this is one of those ones where, I mean, I didn't prepare like I prepared for some. I'm, I'm slightly poorly prepared, but we got some nice responses from uh, listeners, and we yeah. got a few things to talk about is all, all right. I want to say yeah, about We that. do. We do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Yeah. 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 Five by five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, heads up. Did you look at that thing about cheerleaders and social media? Um, go check notes and I'll tell you about something else. All right. I'm looking, look this is right that. up your alley. Didn't you talk about this? Wasn't yeah. You I mentioned, about- uh, I mentioned that on a, on a previous episode. Yeah, uh, go, go read that thing in notes and I'll, and I'll mention that. a couple other I'm things. I'm looking at it right now. While you're reading. Okay. Um, tomorrow, as we record this, hello, being Wednesday, April 18th, um, Agile Tortoise is releasing Drafts 5. I am mm. a fan of Drafts, and I am a booster of Drafts. I'm an uncompensated super fan. Uh, and I just wanted to mention, hey, it's coming out. And uh, I'm one of those douchebags that's been, I've been using it for a few weeks. Uh, it's really, really great. <laughs> right, I've been beta testing oh, the right. secret. Oh, oh that, that, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, I forgot that was, I don't even know what's in there anymore. I've been using it for so many years. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's new to you guys. It's old hat oh, for me. Oh, that's whatever. so sweet that you guys get a new app that I've been using for Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, A, uh, yay, A, yay, uh, for, for Greg and the, the Agile's Tortoise. And, uh, and that'll come out tomorrow. You can find a link to it in notes, uh, to their website and their Twitter. If you want to follow what's going on with that, it's a really neat app. If you like, uh, the regular old drafts, you're going to really like this one. They've added uh, some great stuff to it. It's an even sort of, uh, richer ecosystem. It's got lots of nice functionality. It looks beautiful. Great customizations available now. So check out that. And I wanted to mention in concert with that, that, uh, now, are, the show, before, you, before you do, are, is go. this something you're using more on an iPad or something you're using more on your iPhone or simply both? That's a very good question. I use it – I mean, I, I, it says this on the homepage for their site, I think. So, I mean, I'll just repeat myself. It's where all text starts mostly for me. And sometimes I'll just hop into messages and type to respond to somebody. But pretty much anything I, I need to write that's more than just like, you know, honestly, even things that are like one sentence long, every tweet. Like if I'm on iOS, everything starts in drafts. Um, and so I, I think it is perhaps especially useful on a phone. Mm-hmm. It's useful everywhere, but the extra real estate of an iPad means I feel like I have more options for, I mean... How can I put this? I mean, there's a bunch of ways to do the kind of stuff that Drafts does, I suppose. Drafts is my way of doing that. It's just that I guess the way I would put it is that in the more real estate-constrained environment of the phone, I can't think of another way that I would want to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I could like directly create text files in editorial, but um, first of all, I, I it's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain. Uh, I have a mental model 
that I couldn't even begin to explain for what goes where. But if, but the truth is, so let me get this out of the way. Two things out, out of the way real quick. One is I was, um, Jason Snell was kind enough to have me on upgrade the other day. So, uh, if you go into there toward the end, you'll hear me talking about how and why I use drafts. I've talked about it here before, so I don't want to, you know, repeat too much, but there's there. I also did a, Greg and I did an interview of an episode of Vector with, uh, Renee, uh, Richie, where we talked about drafts. Um, and I'll put those in notes. But to answer your question, um, I don't know. I mean, like I mentioned in, in talking to these guys, it, it was a funny shift for me to start using drafts because, first of all, the first odd thing was I found myself using it more than I expected, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it seems nuts to, like, be composing something that you're going to put into messages anyway. But I've just been bitten by CMSs and apps so much over the years that having a reliable place where all text starts is a great thing for me. That, there are so drafts. many times, so many times I've heard people, and maybe this happens less nowadays because there's ways you can get around this, but so many times people will, oh, I wrote, I wrote this long post in the editor in the, in the, in the, in the browser window and I hit save and it just went away and I lost it all. And so what you're saying right. is you, you start in there's an extensions. Editor. You can get extensions. I think it used to be good. You get extensions for Chrome that would automatically save the contents of a text area right. for you. Yeah. In case that that's happened. how common the problem was. It used to be. Yeah. What you're saying though, is that you compose things in a, an editor in this case drafts, and then yeah. you will paste that into the thing. Kind of. So, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if it's something, I mean, how can I put this? It's just that, once you've started doing that, it's sort of like a, it's almost along the lines of always keeping your car keys and wallet in the same place. It's like once you start doing that, it seems it seems really either obvious or unnecessary until you start doing it regularly, and then you start realizing how crazy it is to do it any other way. So it might sound odd to say like, why would I go into this app if I know it's not my destination? Well, there's a couple reasons, and this gets this gets into the really interesting philosophical change it, it caused in me. And, and one is, uh, for one thing, I don't accidentally send texts. Like, I do this all the time. Where yeah. like I, 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 um, sometimes I get confused about the modalities of what causes a line break. Like, on Twitter, on the web, you have to hold down control and enter to send it. You just enter line breaks. I forget that sometimes when I'm in messages and I end up boom, like sending a thing when I meant it to be. <laughs> or I just accidentally hit the button. I know that that sounds like a dumb reason. Little deeper than that, I like the fact that I've said, okay, I'm in this environment now where I'm going to write and I'm going to think about what I'm writing. It's going to show me spelling errors. I'm going to have a chance to look at it, you know, all in one place. Well, it seems silly. The deepest philosophical change is, and I've mentioned this everywhere, including those podcasts, is that once I started using drafts a lot, I noticed a funny change in myself. Which was that I stopped, I stopped thinking in terms of the destination app that I started to use. And I started thinking more heavily about what I had to say. And as I mentioned it with Jason, uh, sometimes what would start as what I thought was going to be composing a, a text message, I'd go, hmm, this would really kind of probably be better as an email. Or sometimes it would be, maybe I shouldn't send this at all. Right. Maybe this is something I should just kind of diary or put in a journal. Um, so that's been the big change because I think most of us tend to think in terms of apps. There's something I need to do, so I go to this this one app to do it. And, and to your other point, though, no, it's it, it can be copy and paste. There's actually a really cool, um, I guess it's a script, but one of the functionalities is copy everything in this buffer so you don't have to even select all. But no, I, I there's also lots of affordances for sending it to other places. So what you've just written here, um, send that to messages. Or like, you know, everything I've, I've done here, like send that to a new file on Dropbox with a, a date stamp on it. Or 
uh, parse this in Fantastical, what I've just typed here. Um, but you know, one of the great ones, and I, I, I feel like you, I have to mention this one because there's always somebody born every day who doesn't know this trick. <laughs> uh, you type something, you type something in drafts. So you got a line at the top, put a couple line breaks, type some more, hit send, send email. And it takes that top line of drafts as the subject line and everything under it as the body. So all you have to do at that point is type in the person's name and it sends it right out without you having to see any incoming email, which was a, just, a, again, transformational for me. So I don't want to oversell it. Um, like, like I said to Jason, I'm not, I'm not trying to say you everybody should use this, but if you are interested at all in like how the use of an app can improve the way you think rather than become just – a silly and costly time sink. Um, drafts is, is that for me, and uh, and the new version is is really swell. What do you, what do you do? do? Do you ever do you usually go to the place you need to go? You go to messages for messages. You go to your mail app for mail. Yeah, I really that's like, like a gentleman. Yeah, that's what I've been doing for a while now. Um, but I still do use drafts. I haven't. I have not had access to the new one, so I haven't. I don't know anything about that, but I love drafts. I think drafts is the all around, and it, it's something that, that like you were talking about the ecosystem. Of it, of, of what it lets you do. It's so much more than just a regular little notepad. It's not just a scratch pad. Yeah, it's it really looks not. like a scratch pad, but there's a lot more to it. But you can use it like that. And then it's a, yes. it's a, it's, it's a damn fine scratch pad if you want to use it just for that. <laughs> uh, but it, it does a whole lot more if you want. And that's, that's one of the things that I always admire, um, about app developers when they, they create something that seems uh, simple and that has a low learning curve and that you can jump in and start using. And then as you use it more, you start to discover, oh, I didn't know it could do that. And that's a testament to a really good application, I think, something that stays out of the way. And when you when you want to do something more with it, you discover that you can. That's such a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing. And I think Drafts does a good job of that. And it's actually, there's not a whole lot of apps, I think, do that. So that's, that's, uh, that's a nice... Nice thing worth mentioning, I would say. There, it's but been, yeah, no. I'm been, saying, if I'm writing an email, I'm just going to write in a mail. Yeah, sure, makes sense. Yeah. I usually do that. Um, you know, but it's, it, it is kind of funny. Like when I look at my phone, um, I'm I'm kind of amazed. I mean, I fill up the whole thing. I don't use folders very much, and I, I've got all the apps. I mean, so many, so many apps. Um, but it's interesting that unless I really need an app for a purpose mm-hmm. these days, like unless I need this to connect this IoT device, you know, you got to sign up for an account and all that kind of junk. There, there are still apps I need to get to do stuff, but I don't find myself willy-nilly adding that many apps to my arsenal. TickTick would be probably the latest that I use a lot um, on my iOS devices and elsewhere. But it's interesting. It isn't like it used to be. I don't go out and like search out what's the newest in apps while at the same time, the apps that I do use are very precious to me. So for, for, for each of us out there, there's probably your Twitter client you like. There might be some kind of a text editor that you use. Um, I'm guessing for folks who listen to this show, there's probably a podcast app that you like a lot and you develop a very, I feel like a kind of, I feel like I get a very enduring, like personal relationship where like to me now overcast is how I think about podcasts. I know it's not the only one, but like it just, it really does make sense for my brain. And, uh, I don't know. It's nice. It's nice to come across stuff that has that kind of enduring value, uh, at a time when there's just, there's so much garbage on the app store. So when does it come out again tomorrow? I believe it comes out Wednesday, April 18th, 18th. but you can pre-order it right now right. Uh, on the app store and it'll, it'll pop right up for you. Oh, I, uh, as a, a little bit of related follow-up, um, the creator of the archive got in touch with me 
and uh, and said, "Hey, you know, I was uh, I listened to the show, and I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about your use case for having things be flush left." Uh, as opposed to centered. Mm. So if you remember... Um, yeah, 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 remind people what you said. So my, uh, I love the archive. It's a wonderful application. And, uh, and, and I've really gotten into using it. It definitely, for me, it, I like it. I like it a lot. And it works the way I want it to work. And there's lots of really great little, uh, little preferences that you can set and make it work just the way you want it to work. And I actually, one of the things that I did, because I it kind of fits into the envy alt space, you know, that's, it's like, I guess they're competing in a way. And so, uh, I actually set it to use my envy alt, uh, folder mm-hmm. where all my notes were stored so that I could use both of that, both of the apps. I could use either one that I wanted. And that, that was an easy way for me to really get into it and start using it is the fact that I just had to point it at that folder and everything I've been doing is right there. So I got really into it, but my, my single complaint about it was I'm used to the text being flush left and what they design, the way they design the app is according to the, um, the, the guys who's talking to the, who, who is, the is that? Is that mm. is the thing in his, is it Christian? I think that's, I'm sorry. Cause I should know that I get a lot of, I'm sorry. I get a lot of email uh, from people. And uh, so he he told me that they had designed it to create like that really nice uh, writing experience that uh, many apps give you nowadays, where there it's a more or less like a distraction free kind of environment where the text is sort of centered in a single column. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, you know, what what's the use case for having like? And I said, well, actually, I've been able to I've been able to make it be flush left, and what I had to do is I had to go into the preferences and a few people on Twitter pointed this out. So thanks to the people on Twitter who pointed out how to do this, but you go you into just the, like set a super wide. Yeah. You go into the editing uh, menu preference pane, I guess you call it. And you set line width to, I set it to 200. Mm-hmm. And when you set it to 200, uh, now it will just be flush left and take up the, the full space. And I, I said, listen guys, like I'm not ever, like I don't ever maximize a window like i i i have never maximized windows ever like i just don't don't do that i don't maximize a browser window an editor window not nothing i just never maximize ever and maybe this comes from you know cutting my teeth in like Sol- sun os and solaris where you know you would tile the windows out in a certain way i don't know but i never maximize anything i said so for That's me it's always the it's always wrapping Anyway, so I'll never have like some huge long column of text. Like my looking at it now, the archive uh, window is maybe a third to a half the size of the screen. Uh, it's it's not stretched out to maximize size of the screen, and I only have a twenty one and a half inch screen anyway, which is more space mm-hmm. than I could possibly dream of filling. So you know, for me, this is this is perfect. Now I take that back. If I'm editing a podcast or a video then I'm using it full screen. So I, I apologize sure. for, for misleading the audience. But for me, th- that's perfect. And then it got a flush left. And they're like, okay, well, like, why do you want it flush left? And I said, you know, I, I think I'm, that's just what I'm used to. I said, and I, so I took some screenshots. I said, look, here's TextMate editing code. It, the code is flush left. I said, here's pages. And if I start typing in pages, the text is flush left. No matter how big I make the window, like it's, it's flush left. And I gave them a few other examples. And they're like, okay, interesting. I'm like, I've figured out how to make the archive do it now. So now I'm happy and the app is perfect, but they they said they might even add 
consider adding a little uh, a little option to to flush it left instead. Um, but I realized in in this conversation with them, and they're very nice, by the way. But I realized in this conversation that you know a lot of the so much of the way that each of us works on the computer or phone or whatever is so kind of uniquely our own, and and there really mm-hmm. isn't a standard way, you know, and and it's almost. Like the whole concept of opinionated software of someone who's developing an application that's that where they're saying this is the best way to do it or this is the way that I I like it and maybe the way you want it. Uh, we have the flexibility to pick a different application if it doesn't work nowadays. There's so many alternatives. If I didn't like that about the archive, I'll just stick with NVAlt because it, it's flush left by default. You know what I mean? We have alternatives. Um, and I still remember going into Egghead Software to try and get software for my Mac. And they're just being <laughs> all of the Macs, you know, a whole store full of software, shelves packed to the gills. And I'd be like, where's the Mac stuff? Oh, the Mac stuff. It's over there on the end of that end cap. Like the porn area at your right. local video store. Almost, you go through some saloon doors right. and it's really dark. That's right. <laughs> it would all of the entirety of the Mac Apple software would just be on one end cap on like three shelves. And it would be like... Oh, yeah. we've got, you know, Mac Paint from five years ago. And you that's, got Quicken, you got yeah. Office, and you got this pinball game. That's, it. that's pretty much it. That's it. Uh, yeah, that's all you need. It's not like that anymore. It's true. It's it's so true. I used to be so envious. One of the very few things uh, I felt envy about with Windows users was just the extreme number of options they had for really practical applications. I always envied that. Yeah. But you're right. You're right. It is uh, envy, envy alt. That's funny. Um, <laughs> the, it is nice to have all those options and to have people out there who are still uh, making beautiful bespoke apps. For yes. Us. Yeah. So and anyway, I, they, they, I loved hearing from them. So that was great. So thanks to the. Uh, if I wish for I listening, remember really who, cool. who they were. But thank you for being yourself. You gotta be careful what we say on here. I know everyone's mm-hmm. listening. It's creeping me yeah. out. Yeah, I don't like it at all. Um, do you want to talk about something you like? I really like RX Bar. RX Bars! RX Bars. They're they're whole food protein bars with simple, real ingredients. So that's that's it in a nutshell. That means that they are using 100% like real food, whole ingredients, and they're completely transparent about this up front with us, the customer. They put it right on the front of the bar. Egg whites, that gives you the protein, dates, and nuts, and that's right there on the front. And then the ingredients that make up the texture and the taste that make each bar a little bit different and a little bit special and taste so good, that's what's on the back. It might be coconut. It might be chocolate. It might be something else. And uh, what I love about these is that they actually taste really, really good. And uh, surprise, bars that are made from actual real whole food ingredients uh, and not processed stuff and not chemical stuff uh, taste better. So mm-hmm. go figure. So that's the story on these things. They're really, really good. And it, like can, I can said, I have my RX bar hack. Yeah, I, I've said this before, but I like to mention this every time. I like to add a little something special. Your brain is going to tell you, okay, I got this delicious box of RX bars. I'll go put these in the pantry, and then when I'm hungry, I'll go in there like a monster. My <laughs> suggestion is to deploy these tactically. You put one in your backpack. You put some on your desk. You put them in different places. Maybe you put one in the car or your kid's backpack. Because the thing is, these are such a perfect tweener. Uh, like between two meals where you don't want to like wolf down like a pound of chow mein. Right. They're, and then they're not just for that, but I mean, you like them with your workouts. I, I just think they're great to have around where as soon as I find myself wondering like, Oh, what should I eat? Like eat a goddamn RX bar. If you're still really hungry, 
I gave this advice on Twitter just the other day. Have a, have a glass of water and an RX bar. And if you're still hungry, have another RX bar or go get a meal. <laughs> but like, you don't need to like go to McDonald's every time you, you get bored and hungry. Right. Like have an RX bar. It's not going to hurt you. You know, and we, we went, can just run with that. We went to the, uh, that's theirs. I mean, we give them stuff like that. Yeah, we sure do. We went to the, uh, as, as you say, Renaissance Festival, the um, mm-hmm. Austin Forest Fair, as it's called, over the weekend. Does it and, have an E at the end? Yes. Okay, nice. And, uh, and so we, we, you know, we went there, had some fun as a family there. And you know, you're always in that situation where you're like, what kind of food are they going to have? You never know. They've got the turkey legs, right? Mm, but not everyone good, in my family. That be a good turkey leg. Not everyone in my family likes the turkey legs or wants the turkey legs. Oh, they're and so good. I love them. I don't know what's wrong with people. But they're so perfectly prepared. You don't know how long you're going to stay. It turns out that yeah. we were eating lunch at about 11.45, 12 o'clock, uh, but um, my little girl wanted to go to the fairy tea party, and that wasn't until 3. Oh. So now what's going to happen? The, the ride back, there's a potential to we, have we a very unpleasant ride. We give up so much to ride. please our children. I know. Why, why do we please our children? Well... They deserve what? it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, so what are you going to do? What so are you going to do? Gonna you going to go buy turkey legs for people who aren't going to eat them? What are you going to do? No, what you do is at, at 3 o'clock, when, after the party's over at 3.34, and they start to get that cranky time before dinner, what do you do? Do you pull over to the side of the road into some kind of uh, horrible fast food place? Get some uh, gas and, station and, sushi. Yeah, gas station sushi, maybe a, maybe a burrito in the microwave in the 7-Eleven. Or <laughs> do, you give, do you give your kids something delicious? In fact, the RX Bar has 11 delicious flavor varieties. They're gluten-free. They're soy-free. They're even dairy-free. They don't add any sugar or colors or flavors or preservatives or fillers. You're giving your, your kids and yourself real food and then you can sit there and you can eat this you can say you know what we're eating real food right now and then they're full until beyond the normal dinner time it was wonderful Uh lovely lovely uh product good for all these uh different things breakfast on the go you can do with your workout and do it on the way back from the renaissance festival whatever you want and they have a special deal for our listeners 25 percent off your first order if you order them from rxbar.com slash back to work and the promo code to use is one word, back to work. When you check out, you'll get 25% off your first order. Now, if, if you're like, I don't know if I want to order from, hmm. fr- from these guys, I think you should because this is the only place you're going to get uh, this, this pack that has the, it's their like variety pack where you can try out every single thing that they make or most of their main flavors in, in one. And that's a great way to start. You get it and you figure out which one you like and then you can come back and order the other ones. But listen, this is where you're going to get 25% off. But even if you just see one of these things like in your like uh, local uh, grocery store, pick one up and try them out and they're, they're great. And then you'll come back. Then you'll know which one you want and come and order with the, with the secret code, the back to work mm-hmm. code. So thanks very much to RxBar. RxBar.com slash back to work. Promo code is back to work when you're checking out for 25% off. Thanks very much to RxBar for making this show possible. Merlin Xavier Man. Buck, buck. Good sponsor. <clears throat> I like it when we get a sponsor. We we really dig. And See, I, you got to be careful when you say that. I really dig it. People but, are going to use process of elimination to find out what you don't like. Well, I like all of our sponsors today. Yeah. We, we the have ho- the best the hostage readings. Today's you know? sponsors are oh, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I finished Wild Wild Country. Oh yeah, what a what an ending. What a crazy Hey, hey. Woo. It's really good. It's really good. But I wanted to mention something. Um 
that uh, well, this uh, on a separate track. My love affair with Spotify continues and grows. <gasps> I love Spotify so much. Ooh, oh my god, I love it. I can't believe how often I think to myself, "Hmm, I wonder if there's a playlist for that." A lot of times, so sometimes you can find a soundtrack. Like yeah. we've been listening to Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog a lot. That is on there as an actual soundtrack you can stream. But there's other kinds of things where somebody has cobbled together a playlist of what was on a TV show. Yeah. Um, oh God, we found one this weekend. It's all patter songs. It's all songs where people sing really fast, like from musicals. Uh, not getting married, not getting married today, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and boy, so two things. First of all, that wonderful song, I believe, from which the title is derived, comes from a song by Bill Callahan, the guy who used to be Smog, uh, who's still around and sounds better than ever. And uh, that song is called... Bum, bum, bum. Spotify bookmarks weird. Smog? Uh, Drover. You know that song? I am Star Wars today. You know that song? No. Do you know I'm going to be drunk, so drunk, at your wedding? <laughs> no. I might have to demand, <laughs> the demand that you listen to it. Oh, let me listen to it. I'm going to be drunk. It's, uh, search for Smog, drunk at your wedding. Okay. Every time smog. I go to the wedding, I start singing that song to myself. Fine. Uh, but the song from which the title is derived and you hear in the show is called Drover, and it's from his 2011 album, Bill Callahan's album, Apocalypse. That is in show notes, the Spotify link. But, but further to that point, dun da da Somebody named Adobe Allen, Adobe Allen, <laughs> Adobe Allen, someone named, some, someone called Adobe Allen, one word, put together a playlist called Wild Wild Country. And it's a bunch of the music from Wild Wild Country. And it's really good. Um, highly recommend it. It is in show notes. It's pretty much, if you, if you think of a TV show or a movie or something, search for it on Spotify and there will be, somebody has made a playlist for it. And there's a lot of movies out there where there will be music in the movie that's not necessarily part of the soundtrack. It might just be background music in a scene or, or something that happened. And a, a good example of this is Goodfellas. Where the actual soundtrack oh, right. for Goodfellas has like eight songs on it, and they're good, but a there's... lot of it's like you know, like I mean, I've had I've had compilations and box sets that change over time, right? Because of the rights, the rights change. If you don't have the plastic discs, you don't have access to it. That's anymore. right. But well, in in the case of something like Goodfellas, like there's tons of playlists out there. There's one that's like the Goodfellas and Casino playlist, the license Layla, right? They, because it's already on Spotify, so somebody put it together and just here's all the songs that were in those movies, and it's it's great. Same for like Guardians of the Galaxy and. So many great playlists that people have made. It, hap- it happens on Apple Music, but increasingly Apple, point next to Spotify, it's almost like iBooks versus Kindle. Right. It's like, it's a, like a graveyard on Apple Music. And there's just, <laughs> so like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you last week, but I was laying around on the couch saying, oh, well, I'll have some Sunday time to play with Spotify. I right. think I mentioned this to yeah. you. And so I went in and I was like, oh, let's listen to, I go to decades. I drilled down into decades. And then I'm going to go listen to like seventies, like soft rock. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder what they got for Yacht Rock. Go search Yacht Rock on Yacht Rock. Go search Yacht Rock on Spotify. And there are so many playlists. A lot of Hollow Notes. A lot of Doobie Brothers. <laughs> Christopher Cross. Yeah. Uh, America. Oh, Gordon Lightfoot. I don't know if, oh, Seals and Crofts. I would definitely call that Yacht Rock. But it's got a lot of that certain kind of like 70s smooth music that I grew up on. Boz Skaggs. Nice. So Yacht Rock. Boz Skaggs. But, you go in there and you find it. You're absolutely right. I I got for Christmas in maybe 1998, my partner gave me 
the Burt Bacharach box set. Wow. Which is, I mean, and the thing is, Burt Bacharach as a singer, eh, this love's in love with you. I mean, he's a pretty limited vocalist, but boy, can he and Hal David write the crap out of some songs. And it was this amazing box set of basically like a history of his charting songs done by the like original people. Right. So, I mean, you know, you've heard some of, some of the, some of the work were Carpenter's songs that originated with the Carpenters doing his songs. But a lot of them are songs, you know, a cover version of like, uh, you know, uh, Naked Eyes, Always Something There to Remind Me. Yeah. Like, but he's got the original on there. I didn't know that was, was a cover. Right. But like, so I, I don't, I don't know where that box set is. It's probably somewhere in the garage, like water damaged. But now when you go and look at it, it's a lot shorter because whoever's putting out that album, like has lost the rights to like a ton of those songs because that stuff changes over time. I wonder if that's in here. Let's go find out. Bert Bacharach. Take out Yacht Rock. I put in Bert Bacharach. And he's got some wackadoo. T- oh, somebody went and done did it. What? Bert Bacharach, the look of love. <laughs> there it is. Put, putting it in notes. Dun, dun, dun. Each morning I wake up. Before I put on my makeup, I say a little prayer for you. How about if I sing a little bit from all of Let's these? Let's just go through the whole catalog. Okay. Work, work your wedding off with it. I'll never fall in love again. Let's see. What are some of these? Blue on blue. The great Bobby Vinton. Uh, what else? Anyone who had a heart. Oh, Dionne Warwick. She's so good. You'll never get to heaven if you break my heart. So be very careful not to break my heart. <laughs> Five hours later. <laughs> right, don't stop. It's good. Yeah, okay, last one. I'm going to do Casino Royale. <laughs> Casino Royale. yeah why do birds suddenly appear say a little prayer for you yep 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 wishing and hoping yep 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 a lot of good ones in here anyways music is fun music is fun you do these like late night tweets where you're going down some kind of a rabbit hole Oh, finding some, hard. some kind of uh, <laughs> music or a video or something that, that, mm. that moves you. Mm. And I'll see I him the next morning, 6.30 in the morning. That's time to check in with Merlin's oh, Twitter. That's where it all comes in. Yeah, yeah Mer- Merlin had a drink and started listening to the Dr. Horrible soundtrack. <laughs> that's right. I cannot believe my eyes. That's a very, very good little musical. It is, has become a topic of obsession in our household. Between my daughter and me, I saw it when it came out, and I was like, "Well, it's fine, like whatever." But now I really, I really like it. Did you ever see it, Doctor Horrible Sing Along? No, I haven't. Mm. I know the song, um, the horrible song, "They Might Be Giants" song, which is always what I think you're referring to. But it's it's not that horrible, horrible, horrible. (laughs) How does it go? (laughs) Horrible. Yeah. Oh, are you seeing Doctor Evil? No. um, No. Horrible. I'm looking yeah. at it. Mr. It's called Mr. Horrible. Hmm. No, someone keeps moving my chair. <laughs> Mr. Horrible says I don't mind. Huh. The ugliness men, Mr. Horrible, we're just trying to bug you. 
Oh, God, we thought that our dreadfulness might be a thing to annoy you with. But Mr. Harville says, I don't mind. The thing that bothers me is someone keeps moving my chair. <laughs> someone you know, keeps moving my chair. Uh, their lyrics stand up really well. They call me Dr. Worm. That's a Good morning. great one. Good morning. How are you? I'm Dr. Worm. I'm interested in things. I'm not a real doctor, but I am a real worm. I'm an actual worm. I live like a worm. I'd like to play the drums. I think I'm getting good, but I can handle criticism. I'll show you what I know. And you can tell me if you think I'm getting better on the drums. I'll leave the front door unlocked because I can't hear the doorbell. <laughs> this is, can't it's great. Hear and it's the it, doorbell. <laughs> my kids love that song. Oh, now it's going to be in my head. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. I love music. Huh, huh, huh. All right. What else we got? Moving on. So we got those things. Cheer, cheerleaders. Cheerleaders. I did not read this carefully, but I felt like this uh, was right in your, uh, as you say, wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. So I had mentioned, I guess, a couple episodes back that uh, cheerleaders, uh, we were talking about social media, and we were talking about how cheerleaders are NFL cheerleaders. Like, basically, we was in the context of our listener writing to say, like, how how should I deal with this employee using social media in this way? That's right. And it led to this, I thought, a very interesting discussion of, like, social media guidelines and what's allowed and not in various organizations. Right, because if, if for people who were have already forgotten or weren't listening uh, to that episode, there uh, a, a company hired an employee and the employee interacts with uh, their customers often on social media, but they to their they they followed the employee on social media and then all of a sudden realized that the employee had blocked them on social media, the owners of the company. And appeared to be like following their clients. Right. And maybe interacting with the clients. And so that led us to this discussion of how some companies in this case, the NFL uh, and the teams in the NFL are um, uh, limiting what cheerleaders can and can't do on social media, what kind of pictures they can uh, taken there. Um, I think it was a, yeah. Even yeah. Here it is in this article. The Saints cheerleader Bailey Davis uh, got fired for violating some kind of social media policy, which said something like you know you you can't appear nude or semi nude or something like that. And I I think she maybe she was in a um in lingerie or something, and yeah. or maybe it was a bikini. I don't remember what it was. Uh, the photo was taken down. I didn't see it. Uh, but so she got, I guess she got fired for that. And there's lots of other restrictions, the things that they can't do. And so you've, you've procured an article here that talks about that. And one of the interesting things in this article, it talks about how there seems to be a double standard. The NFL teams claim it's to protect the cheerleaders from stalkers or unwanted attention or harassment. But the cheerleaders... Yeah, but by all means, wear this skimpy outfit, but also follow these rules. Right. But the cheerleaders claim that's not the case at all. And one of the things that they uh, use for this is, of course, I mean, people people always want more followers. They want more people subscribing to their photos and things like that. And the so like the official uh, NFL team, when they show a picture of players, for example, they will tag the players in that team so that you can then go and, and that will send traffic and send new subscribers to their individual photo feeds, if that makes sense. But they will mm-hmm. not do that for cheerleaders. They will uh, only do that for the players. So if there's a photo of, you know, one guy tackling another guy, they'll tag both of those guys. And then you can say, Oh, who was, it? Oh, that's him. Oh, I got to follow him. But they're not doing that for the many pictures of the cheerleaders that they, uh, that they post. And so uh, they're saying that, that many people are saying, you know what, you, you need to have a uniform policy across the board 
uh, you can't have one set of rules for you know guys who are playing and a different set of rules for the cheerleaders. And if you do that, then this sets the stage for litigation for unfair treatment, to quote the article. So uh, pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, and we did hear back from the uh, the listener. Oh yeah, do you want to explore that? Do you think yeah, it would benefit yeah. from more discussion? I mean, I I I think it's an interesting topic. I don't, you know, what do you think? Uh, I would be willing to talk about it. You think she's okay with us talking about it? Yeah, I think so. Um, you you uh, you engaged with our listeners uh, this week. Why don't Why don't you lead the charge and I'll jump in? Okay, uh, they say. To answer your question, because they listen, they listen to the show, and this is their mm-hmm. reply. To answer your question, the person I referenced is a producer. She's junior level, but she does interact with our clients and freelancers, and we're a very small company where everyone wears a lot of hats. A lot of this additional context that I'll provide will be super specific to this particular situation, but y'all did a great job in the show of presenting this as a universal problem that anyone can relate to. And uh, they continue, we have a good relationship with this person, and we like her. She's very open. Uh, and has even introduced us to her parents and invited us to dinner with her family two different times when we're traveling for work where they live. Um, she's, um, uh, they say they're fairly, I'm skipping a little bit here and there. Uh, we are all fairly open about our private lives and socialize occasionally, like at happy hours. My husband and I are the only ones with kids, though, so there's definitely a gulf between us and the employees who are all younger, 26 to 35 years old. I think Dan was right when he said she probably had regrets about us being connected on social media, although my husband reminded me that she actually followed him first. I think she actually still uh, leans on her parents a lot and asks them for advice on things constantly. I could picture a scenario where her mom and dad told her offhandedly she should keep her private life separate from work, and then she overreacted and blocked us on Instagram. Another scenario could be that she misunderstood a cue from us and thought we wanted to stay private and was embarrassed that she had followed us and tried to correct it. Hmm. My husband reminded me of the exact moment when he realized something had changed. He was on a shoot with her and a crew at the beach. That evening, our DP says, oh, that's funny. We all three posted the exact same picture from earlier today when we were at the beach. Uh, so her husband said, huh, that's weird. I'm not seeing that person's post. And she said something like, oh, hmm, I may have done something with my privacy settings. And that was the end of the discussion. Uh, she hmm. does have a little bit more. And, uh, and, and this is where she addresses you. She said, so Merlin had a great question. What is the business problem? The business problems could be one, she could be always on the lookout for a better opportunity, cultivating relationships with clients and one day hoping to start her own business or go go to work for them. Uh, two, she could be mood lining on the weekends and doesn't want us to know about it. Three, she might be dating a client or freelancer. And uh, they say she actually did go on some dates with one of our clients and never told us about it. She doesn't mm-hmm. know that we know, but he told us about it because we've been friends with him for a few years and he wanted to get advice on how to connect with her. We steered clear of that situation. Yikes. She then closes by saying... That's a thistle. Yeah. <laughs> I think our mistake was that we should have had our employees sign a non-compete agreement. Then we wouldn't have to worry about them taking clients from us after they leave. We should also, uh, We also should have probably had some kind of policy about social media. The new employee would have to weigh how they want to be online with how much they want the job. I don't think that's unreasonable. What will probably end up happening is that we'll be out for drinks sometime with everybody, and I'll tease her about having blocked us on Instagram and see what she says. I probably won't, won't make a big awkward thing out of it. And then she thanks us, and, uh, and that's that. And, um, and so, I mean, I would love to hear what you think about this. I had a couple of responses I sent to her, but uh, w- what's your take? I, I mean – it, this sounds like a cop out, and it probably is. But the fact that I have so little to say about that—let me put it this way—I cannot. I get a couple whiffs about what about that seems good, and several whiffs about what about that seems a little dangerous, sketchy. Uh-huh. 
weird, but I'm so out of the loop on what to expect out of other people in an employment situation, right? Like, especially with the legalities. God, it just seems like all the news today is about la 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 la, um, <laughs> la la la. That's funny. Um, but also, I do feel ill-equipped to talk about a medium that's not really for me anymore. But right. with all of that said, I mean, some of that stuff feels a little bit like a little from paranoid to tricky mm-hmm. on the face of it to me. Mm-hmm. No, nothing against the the listener. But some of that's a little bit, mm, I mean, you, you're like trying to throw a net over her or something. Right. Um, I mean, if you have a problem, tell her. <laughs> that's kind of what it comes down to. That's why I say pose it as a business problem is like, if it's a business problem, then you'll know how to address it. It's just, I think she's still convincing herself whether it's a business problem. Um, and there's all kinds of things related to that. I mean, is it any of your business who she dates? I guess. I don't know. But like, what part of this is really the social media part? And what part of this is really that you, you can just see more than you used to? Right. Like, if you just looked in her window, would you have concerns about what she's doing? Um, I mean, that's kind of a silly analogy, but I, I don't, I don't have a lot to say except to continue to say, like, I, I don't know. Um, but, in this litigious, on the one hand, it's a very litigious environment in which we live these days. So it would be smart to know, are your ducks in a row as far as the employment part of this? And the other part of this is just given the industry that they are in, which I think we're not talking about, but given the industry that they are in, um, maybe not as much as cheerleaders, but it's very important if you're trying to build your career to be on social media. Right. It's true for almost everybody these days. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that, I mean, there's all the cautionary, we'll have a, a, lis- a listener note in a minute about this, but uh, there's all, all the downsides of like, oh, people are going to look at your Facebook f- uh, profile and see with your red solo cup, and that's a problem. But also, I mean, it, Instagram is not just for influencers. It's also a way of saying, I could see that being something where people say, hey, if you want to work in this particular kind of glamour industry, you need to have your social media like pretty locked down, like pretty like, not locked down, but tricked out. Like you need to be good at this. Um so I, I don't know, but I would love to hear your point of view because you are younger than I and you have a business. Um, what do you say to the listener? Yeah, I mean, it's super tricky. It's super tricky. Um, you know, my response is we're focusing on what she can do or what she should do um, and, and, and going from here because it sounds to me like the issue is more than just, oh, why does she block us? that there there might actually be a concern of is she stealing our clients from us now or is she establishing relationships or is she doing moonlighting work that she doesn't want us to find out about and posting about it and kind of doing it like right under our noses in a way that we can't find i'm not sure if any of that's true or not i mean that's you know that's like you were saying like is it 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 is just sort of speculation and and you I don't think you should prevent someone from doing side work if they choose to do it. I'm a firm believer that people should have that flexibility because if they don't, mm-hmm. then they, they tend to resent it. I've been in that situation and uh, with companies and the one company I worked for that seemed to have the best philosophy about that. Uh, and, and I, one I've always tried to do as a, a, a small business employer is if, if what you were doing did not compete with their core business, then by all means, go and do that thing. So for example, um, at the company that I, I worked in, I was doing, um, there was some software development. We used to go and give like presentations and do like training for people. Like this is what the internet is and here's how to use Excel. 
And like mm-hmm. we used to write those kind of courses and then deliver them. And I also did web development. Um, but the, w- what I was doing on the side was like programming and web development. And they didn't care because although that was part of what I did for my job at the company, um, it, it, you know, that was absolutely not what they're, they were not a web design and development company. So I wasn't competing with them by going and doing that freelance. You know, I did mm-hmm. it on my own computer. I did it on my own time and it didn't compete with their business. I've always loved that kind of philosophy, you know, but it's tough if, if you are a web designer, let's say, and you, you work at, for a web design company, uh, and you're off doing your own thing. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little tricky. And what's to stop you from having like a great relationship with their clients. And then when you do go and, uh, go out on your own or something like, yeah, you're kind of, kind of want to contact them. So that's where I think why she was bringing up the like non-compete but my response to that particular part of it, without getting into the the dilemma of uh, what to do about... Yeah, I mean, kind of the drama. Right, the drama of it. But simply, I think it's perfectly, and I said this too, I think it's perfectly valid to say, hey, we now have non-competes. And um, if, it, you know, part part of keeping your job here is for you to read this and agree with it and sign it. And, and I've been at many companies where new policies were introduced and we had a document that we needed to sign. And if we didn't want to sign it, that was our choice. And we might not be able to keep our job anymore, but I don't think it's unreasonable to have an employee sign a, 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 a fair non-compete, which says... You can't take our clients, basically. I don't know how enforceable that even is, but I think it's reasonable to say, look, we're a, we're a client services company. We're not employing you to get really in good with our clients and then leave and then take them. Like, that's not that's not what we're doing here. I don't know. I don't know what the, the thing is, but what I... I, I, got, I got thoughts on non-competes. I mean, personally. They're not really enforceable, are they? I just... I mean, this is where I'm really, I don't mean to be changing the topic, but I will necessarily have to change the topic to address this. Yeah. I mean, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm criticizing the listener, but I mean, what does a, what, what does a non-compete really do? Um, well, for one thing, it's going to scare off anybody who doesn't want the threat of a potential lawsuit hanging over their heads. Sure. I mean, the thing is, if somebody's, I guess I could see this happening between like a Facebook and a a Google or something like that, but I, I would be circumspect about what problem you're trying to solve with a non-compete agreement. Because personally, I could see that being very off-putting. If there is somebody highly desirable who has like really valuable skills in the current market and they have to choose between two employers and one of them says, oh, you don't work here yet, but we're so worried about what you'll do. Mm -hmm that we want to preemptively make sure you don't steal our stuff. Ugh, that's kind of squicky. But and versus someplace that goes, no, we want to be a great employer. Like we want you to stay here because it's the best place for you to be. And if we ever reach a day where it's not the best place, please, by all means, head out with our blessing. Because you're kind of trying to like hold the water in your hands. Like you, are you really going to prevent that? Are you mm-hmm. going to prevent them from like doing stuff on the sly? You'll never know if they're freelancing for other people. Right. And do you really want to get into the lawsuit business? I mean, I just, that lawsuit stuff kind of squicks me out. Well, that you're right. And also, I guess there's the question of like the value of that customer. You know, if there's a, if there's a customer that's pumping a ton of money into your business, would it really be possible for that customer to be happy switching to like a one person freelancer away from 
uh, you know, in other words, is that even a realistic concern? If you're, if you're a right. team of 10 people, one freelancer isn't going to be able to give them the same kind of uh, deliverable, whatever the deliverable is. They're not going to be able to give you that as one independent freelance person compared to a team of 10 people in a small business, you know? So I don't know yeah, what the and- threat really is from, from that. And like you said, I think the, the, you know, the Google, Apple, comparison is a good one because like these are two very big silicon valley companies that are very much competing with one another in a specific business and like they don't want you going from one to the other per se well especially if you could potentially be taking knowledge right. and ip with you right like i think that's that's really sensible but if you're talking about a, a tactician in a technical and creative art i don't I don't, I guess, and I, can, I feel like I'm criticizing the listener and I don't mean to, but something about what, what she said kind of struck me a little strange. And I, all I can say is that, that for myself, I mean, I don't, I'm not in the business that she and her partner are in, but um, it feels defensive to me. Most of the things that she is proposing, I mean, to put this a different way and to make it more of a business problem, um, do you feel this way about all your employees or is it really just this one? Mm-hmm. Is it because, you know, let's, let's lay it out. Like if you've got two, three, four people that work for you as freelancers or part-timers, or, you know, producers, what have you, um, is it, is it, do you feel that same way about this person, other people going forward? Are you like, is this a second arrow type situation? Mm-hmm. Cause at the end of the day, if you don't trust that person, you should fire her. Right. If, if you, if right, you have cause, cause no, no piece of paper is going to give you the kind of security and reassurances yeah, that, that fill you the really position need. with somebody that you do trust or get your mind right about how much you can expect out of your employees. I mean, you do know, you now is I it reasonable just, to, yeah. to, to, to say to someone, um, sign this document, it, you know, this, this basically explains that your intent is not to just build a roster of our clients for yourself. It's a bad week to ask about these kinds of agreements just because of, I have to admit, this is very much of this moment. In three years, uh, if you're listening to this episode, this is not going to make a lot of sense. But the last month, especially, there's been a lot of stuff in the news um, about non-disclosure agreements. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's been a lot in the news about demanding privacy. And in a case that's in the news now that I will not name, there are a number of apparent agreements in play that I find utterly distasteful. The kind of agreement where you basically go to somebody and say, look, we're going to give you some money so that we can say we've given you money. But this is really all about you getting to sign something that says, in some cases, like with Harvey Weinstein and some of those, I think there are some people out there with with non-disclosure agreements where they are told that they have to lie, even to law enforcement and judges mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you agree that this didn't happen like this is a, a an existential annulment this thing never happened by uh by fiat and now if you and in the case of of one of these ndas apparently the thing this person signs that every time you break this nda you us owe us a million dollars and like i know that's an extreme example from from a, a horrible horrible set of human beings but like that kind of you think about that and like don't make a threat you're not willing to enforce or by proxy, I guess, like don't make sure you understand what it is that you're really kind of threatening there. Cause if your basic concern is you feel sort of out of tune with your employee and they've blocked you on social media, uh, I don't know. That doesn't feel healthy. Like that's not a thing I would want to ruminate over. Mm-hmm. And if it is an actual problem, just say to them, Hey, look, you know, this is not working out. 
But if they say to you, are you firing me because I blocked you on Instagram? You're going to have to really look at your soul and say like, is that why I'm doing this? You know, we're the adults in the room here. I don't know. That's not, I'm, that's not like I'm being mean or something, but no, like, no, I don't think all this, right. all this stuff about like, you know, like every time a white person has a problem, they call the police. And every time a business person has a problem, they think it can be solved with some kind of like threat of a lawsuit. And it's like, oh man, what a way to go through life. Is that really, like, is that how about really we just what, talk about it? Let's just talk about well, it. Or, or also like, <laughs> you do you know? want to create the kind of environment where you only get people or primarily get people to follow your orders by threats? Like, you know, ask yourself then, is that a place where you would want to work? When you were coming up, how would you feel about working in a place like that? And I guess if it's somewhere where there's a way oversupply of employees to a market that's really tight, you can demand a lot, right? I mean, it, you, when you're looking to become an entry-level production assistant in Hollywood, you probably don't get to make a lot of demands and you got to put up with a lot because that's the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I don't – I don't know. I think I, I, I start, I'm starting to wonder how much this is really a problem with how an employee is using social media is, is my feeling. Right. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, am I, I, am I being a jerk? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think the essence of what you're saying is hire people that you trust. And if there's an employee who's giving you reason to not trust them, then maybe that's the real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, it is yeah, hard. Yeah, exactly. It is hard yeah. to know, and the, the fact remains that you know, like I just um, un- unrelated to to this, but sort of on a tangent. Um, you know, I know somebody recently who found out she runs a, a tattoo shop, and she found out that one of the tattoo artists working out of her shop was stealing three to four hundred dollars a week. See, that's not cool, right? And and I'm not sure exactly how they were doing it. If they were like pulling it out of the till, or if they were saying, "Oh, you can give your deposit for the tattoo to me," and all you know. But they found this out, yeah, and they fired her immediately. Now she had done something, and they, I guess, found proof of it. And and I think that's what the people who wrote in are sort of trying to avoid. But I I feel like you can never control that. You can't know what your employee is going to do. You need to treat them with respect, and you need to trust them. And if you feel like you can't do that, I mean, dump them. They, they, but also put yourself, you know, it's it's a little bit of a golden rule kind of thing. Where like put yourself in that person's position, really inhabit what you imagine their life is like, and look at the situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait a minute. Uh, I'm working for these people, and like they want to fire me because I'm not following them on social media. Like that's from a certain point of view, that is kind of odd. And if that ends up with them losing their job because of that, because of what you couldn't see on their social media, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's ways to solve all of this with rules, but like, I don't know what that actually solves uh, apart from creating an environment where you you now have a second job, which is like your Torquemada, the enforcer. Mm-hmm. Like you're the one who's got to go after all of these things and chase it around and make sure people are being honest. And right. like, as soon as you become job cop, like uh, how, how happy is your job and your work world going to be? Yeah. Hmm. And I, I've known people who are adamant about keeping their personal life and their work life completely separate. Um, and when it comes to social media, like we said last time, I, I don't think there's a problem with that. I remember somebody um, that was working with me a while back had his like his Twitter account. He had his own personal Twitter account. And then he had another one that he used, which had like the company name in it. Like if his name was Bill, it had like you know, bill at Apple or something like that, or Apple bill or something. And, Mm -hmm. and he, so 
it wasn't Apple, but he was sort of, these are my tweets that where I'm tweeting about work stuff and tweeting on behalf of the company. And if I need to interact with a customer or a person that is working with us, that's the Twitter account that I'll give them because that's my I'm I'm working account and not my this is me personal account. And I really like that. I mean, it's a pain to have two, but, you know, I, employees have work email accounts for the same reason. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't want an employee of mine to be doing using their personal email account to interact with a client, not because, um, I mean, for one thing, it seems like less professional, like it's unprofessional. Can't, can't you afford like another email address for your employee? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, you know what? Like if, if something, Oh, what if something terrible happened to that employee and you needed to like find out how to, how to pick things up if they were sick for a month or something like you could, you could get access to their email as an employer, and I believe legally you can do that too. You know, that's that's something that you might need to to do. And if they're using it on their personal account, you know, you don't know what they're saying. So I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird situation for sure. But that's why as companies get bigger, they start having more and more bureaucracy and more policies because they start to get worried about things like that. And knowing that you work for a company that's a big company and they take privacy seriously and they take competing seriously and you know, all of that, like at some point you have to just say, all right, well, now we've got policies. Now we've got documents for you to sign. And even if they're not enforceable, yeah. it's saying to the employee, we take this stuff seriously. And even though this thing might, you're signing might not hold up in court, it shows our intent is for you to yes. not do it. And it, it expresses exactly. their intent to you to not do it. But, you know, let me just, let's leave it at this and then I'll hear about something happy that you like. Okay. Um, I would do this. I would do, do what I have done and go watch many, many seasons of shows featuring Gordon Ramsay. And uh, <laughs> imagine that you are the person who runs that restaurant or runs that hotel. Right. Um, and ask yourself, is my behavior like somebody on one of these shows? Like you don't want to become some kind of a nut is what I'm saying. Don't turn into a nut who's hoarding antiques in, in large containers outside of the hotel and they live in an RV. Like don't do that. You know what I mean? Don't be paw paw butt out in the butt hut mm-hmm. with his dog and his marijuana. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. I mean, he seems like a happy guy, but you know, he's kind of ruining the the, the place. And of course, then you know, his his sons they they have dance parties on the weekend, but they never give the mother uh, any money. It's really a shame. They've lost their passion. Mm. Can't can't lose your passion. Don't lose your passion. It's rotten, Mohammed. <laughs> Dan. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, could you tell me about something that you like? I'd like to tell you about ButcherBox. 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 This is one of my favorites. They, I love this company and what they're doing is so cool. They deliver because you know I'm I'm a I've been we've been paleo as a family for about eight almost eight years. You don't even use fire anymore. Who needs it? <laughs> uh, ButcherBox. This is not just for paleo people, but if you are paleo, this is this is all you. But even if you're not, it doesn't matter if you're not. This is what I love about the they 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork. They deliver this directly to your door. The quality of the meat is amazing. This starts with their commitment to uh to raising animals humanely, free of antibiotics, free of hormones. And you get this box. The box comes with at least 8 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual-sized meals. And they have five different box types. You can go all beef. You can go beef and chicken, beef and pork. You can get a mixed box. 
You even get a custom box where you choose your own cuts. And this is great. So you choose from these curated boxes, okay? And then the meat gets frozen at the peak of its freshness in individual vacuum-packed biodegradable packages. So they're all, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking hmm. about? Yep. And, and every box is shipped with exactly the right amount of dry ice. So it's still frozen when it gets to your door. It's right to your doorstep for free. The highest quality stuff, like I said, it's all antibiotic, all hormone free. And this is the main thing, especially if you care about what you're eating. You want to know, you want that peace of mind that you're getting something that's healthy, that's high quality. And they have the best cuts. You can pick out what you want. And it's almost like it's like in the old days where you had like a neighborhood butcher where you know you're going to get something great. It, this is just delivered to your door. It's awesome. And uh, so go and check this out. The website, super informative. You have any questions, like they're there on the website. Easy to use. It's easy to get set up. So much more convenient than like going to shop. I don't know about your grocery store. We go half the time. It's like, oh, do you have the, you know, the such and such organic chicken? Oh, no, I don't, don't have it this week. Oh, okay. I guess I'm not eating any chicken this week. Fine. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that. This place makes it so easy. So here's the thing. When we talked to them about what, what we wanted to offer, I said, you have to, you, you have to give free bacon. They said, what do you mean? I said, I want free bacon to go out. Everyone will get some stuff. This was, this was a demand that you proffered. I mean, I don't like to pose it that way, but yeah. I mean, and they said, yeah, so sure. listen, you're going to get, the, uh, the listeners will get free bacon. Free bacon. And $20 off the, their first box by going to butcherbox.com slash back to work. You're getting the, the gist of these URLs slash back to work. And then the promo mm-hmm. code is back to work. Back to work. And you will get free bacon, courtesy of me. And twenty dollars off your first box, butcherbox dot com slash back to work. Promo code is back to work. Get free bacon and twenty dollars off your first box. So uh, I, I really love this service. This is one I, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Go check it out, butcherbox, butcherbox dot com slash back to work. Thanks, butcherbox. Buck box. <laughs> that was stupid. No, it's good. This podcast is over. I'll edit it out. Hmm. Uh, let's do some listener feedback. Um, yes. Further to the social media thing, I, I'm very reluctant to talk about some of this stuff because a lot of it was given in privacy. Mm-hmm. And some, if we were to read some of these things, it's very Googleable. Mm. But we got some. We got an interesting one from a listener. I, I don't want to discuss this in detail, but just generally, um, social media policy for a school that this person works. All at. right. Yes. And I thought it was it was I thought this was very well done and very plainly stated and basically just goes into saying like I, I feel like to summarize this and it's I think it's in was it Gil Sands? It's nice. They um <laughs> I feel like they did a good job of basically saying, you know, there are lines. You know, this is not no, this is bowling, there are rules. <laughs> but basically explaining how there are lines and like cowboy up and understand that like you're gonna need to separate like when you represent the school even sort of unintentionally, like you're going to have to uphold a certain standard because you end up speaking for the school. Mm-hmm. But further to this, like thinking about like what's involved with these kids and how you need to think about things differently and including all the way down to, I thought this was really good, down to like how you use the internet and social media stuff in the classroom. I'm sorry I can't share too much more than that. I just don't want to expose this person's right, right. employer. But uh, I thought that was very, very uh, useful and cool. Thank you to anybody. Send, send more of these, especially if they're, like I say, especially if they're public. And we can actually read from them where I think the wording of these things becomes very important. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's, there's a 
it seems to me that there's a fairly narrow line between how you use social media versus basically just telling people how to behave. And I mean, certainly there are things where you have to tell people how to behave. You have to tell a cop, like, don't take bribes. You know, you have to tell a priest, don't chug the wine. Uh-huh, like, right. there are rules. That is understandable. But it is it is interesting and funny and strange to me how often these things feel like backdoor ways to make people behave the way that you want. Even if you, you can say that it's about social media, but ultimately you're really kind of, I don't know, especially in this day and age, you're basically telling them how to act. You're telling them how to be. You're telling them how to present themselves to their friends, ultimately. Right. And like, how much do you want your employer telling you how you're supposed to be? It's... You know, like I, I mean, I know this. This is a really, really poor analogy because it's, it doesn't include scale. But like, you know, you wouldn't go and read other people's mail or look into their house. Like, so you feel like just because you can see their social media, like now you you get a vote on how they behave. I don't know. It just all seems strange to me. Um, so this is from listener. I think we can say listener Luke. Um, can I read this? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm a senior in college, going to medical school next year, and have already run into some learning experiences. Um, <laughs> I love this phrasing. Uh, point one. Like you mentioned with Publix and Disney, I worked for a privately held chicken sandwich company in high school. Mm. And even during the interview, they made it clear that facial hair and or unruly hair was a deal breaker. Understandably, they see their workers and their appearance as part of their corporate image. And some friends of mine heard from supervisors during the first week of No Shave November uh, or when embracing the lax bro flow. So in that instance, you know, that is interesting. I do remember it was pretty well known, at least in Florida, that um, when when you work at Disney, like, you need to really toe the line in all kinds of ways. You're not going to get paid very much. The parking sucks. And, like, you're going to have to really, like, look like a Disney employee. Yeah. Which I think kind of makes sense. Well, they call them cast members after all. You're and they, you, are, you are doing a performance when you're in your – in your job, even if you're just standing there handing out 3D glasses, like that's a performance. You are performing, and that makes sense to me. You know, I, I do understand that if you're in a customer service facing job where people can physically see you and interact with you, you are absolutely representing the company. I mean, that, that is the interaction that you have. I remember um, uh, when I worked at, um, at uh, a toy store in the mall in high school. You know, they were sticklers about that. You need to wear uh, slacks and, you know, black leather shoes and a tie and all because mm-hmm. because you know, your hair needs to be styled and combed like, you know, this is back in before the days of of having tattoos and things for regular people. But I'm sure they would have had a rule about all of that, you know, and and it, it certainly makes sense. Like you rep, you are the interface for the company. You're the way that people interact with you. I totally understand that, especially yeah. in a company like a Disney uh, and you need to have those standards because if you don't, then it's too easy for somebody to get called out as, um, oh, well, you're just picking on me. Or you're just singling me out because that's you don't a re- like that's me. That's a very good point that you're not using it selectively. But think about something like, um, I mean, I guess controversially, Nation of Islam and mm-hmm. the way those guys dress. Mm-hmm. They look so freaking sharp. Mm-hmm. Like you think about the way Malcolm X looked and the guys that are handing out the newspapers. Like they looked really sharp. They did not want somebody – they're looking real shambling because mm-hmm. part of it, part of what they were trying to get out there was to, like, we are smart and we are sharp and we, this is, this is what we look like. So I don't know, but then more to our, I guess the, uh, strictly relating to the topic, uh, point two, in the process of applying to med schools, we were always encouraged by advisors to groom our timelines carefully. 
At an interview for a well-known med school, one of the questions to, to a friend was, describe your last three posts on Instagram and how they represent your character. Unquote. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. This friend opted to skip, skip over her classic red solo cup picture, which the committee then directly addressed in a follow-up question. Yikes. Yikes indeed. What do you think of that? Mm. I guess you need to prepare for that. Yeah. But because then now we get to number three, and this is where we're really, woo, this is where road meets rubber. In some <laughs> medical school slash residency programs, you're likewise told to groom your timeline, but are now also given occasional drug tests. Both right. of these have recently been used in court as a way to question a physician's discretion when prescribing narcotics, and the DEA won't hesitate to pull your license. Yikes! Closing its ramifications all the way down. Thank you to listener Luke. I found that fascinating. Mm. It's a different world, man. Yeah, it really is. It's and it's so complicated. It was so much easier when, you know, we didn't have social media, we didn't have phones on us all the time, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have these things and oh, God, what, thank God. What you did, like if 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 no one saw you do it, you didn't do it. You know, if you went out to a party and there's eight people yeah. there and you decide to get drunk and you know what like, happens at Gamma Kai stays that's, at Gamma Kai. That's right. And now it doesn't. Now the whole world <laughs> knows about it. I was the dandy of Gamma Kai. Um that's a Steely Dan joke, uh, if there is such a thing. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get it. I was the dandy of Gamma Kai. It's been a while since I sang on the shows. <laughs> yeah, it's been a whole know, 30 minutes. The Cuervo Gold, the fine Colombian, let's make tonight. Wow. Now, what if people go and listen to my podcast and hear me sing a Steely Dan song? How are they going to feel? I don't. I don't. Hey, 19, that's Rita Franklin. All dancing, all singing episode. Uh, you know, here's another thing, and I, this is a thread that runs through all of this, is that like, ah, uh, the emotions. Like you feel a certain way, and you don't like feeling that way, mm-hmm. and you point to this person and say, you're the person making me feel this way. Mm-hmm. You're making me feel this way because you're talking to my client, and you block me, and now I'm sad. Be careful about how much you want to make rules based on one or two people who are making you feel emotions. Right, Because I think that can have knock-on effects. We're not talking about giant, giant companies. Giant companies need to cover their ass. Like, that's totes understandable. Somebody, I, I, who was it? Somebody recently said, I guess this is now kind of conventional wisdom, that like human resources is presented as this thing that's like the advocate of employees. and But really, HR in some ways is the first line of defense against all kinds of problems, mm-hmm. including legal problems. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's their job to be a kind of wall against problems that's what that's what they're trying to do they are trying to prevent lawsuits yeah so while they don't want you to be sexually harassed at work so that you'll stay there and be happy and not be sexually harassed a a big reason they do that is because they don't want to get sued for sexual harassment like so again you know back to the law i don't know i don't have a solution i don't understand how business works but i i do know how emotions work and i think we must always be circumspect about like how much we're gonna like try and like you know, squeeze that bit of sand into a pearl. Like there's just only so much control you can exercise, uh, exercise in the world. Don't make yourself crazy and don't make your employees sad by doing too much to do things you can't really control. Consider that some of that stuff is just not for you. Right. I mean, there was certainly, there was a time where you could be fired for being gay. There was a time when you could be not hired at all because you're black. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, even up till now, there's probably a lot of people where like they find out you're a LARPer or something. They're like, hmm, I'm not so sure he's ready for the board, Bob. Like, I guess there's all kinds of ways you can do that, but like, let's really focus on like what we're here to do, which is the work. And if we're doing the work and we're creating an environment where the best people want to work for us, 
that's a problem that'll take care of itself. If you have to run around chasing scoundrels, making them sign things, like I don't know how that turns out with a great company. He said, being incredibly reductive. <laughs> well, well, there is actually hmm. another a bit of feedback that we received that talks about feelings, feelings at work. I love talking about feelings. Uh, before we do it, let me tell you about the, the last thing I like, maybe. Who, who is it, Dan? Who is it? It is Slack. Oh, come on. Slack. Slack. Are you even kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you about Slack. I was just on Slack right before the show. You're all one big slacker. Slackity slack, slack, slack. Slack. And uh, by slack. the way, Matt, uh, Matt Howie mm-hmm. said that last week's, uh, or the last Slack spot that we did was the, the best ad read ever. But that's probably really? because even, we mentioned him. Even better than the ones him. where I say it's a messaging app for teens? Yes, but I think it's because we mentioned him by name. In the- Hello. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hi, Matt. We love Matt. He's tall. He's so You've tall. You've met him a bunch of times, right? Yes. He's like yes, the two, I'm happy to the, say I'm, I'm, I'm acquainted with Matt Howie, and he's a, good, he's a good man and thorough. If I hopped up on your shoulders and you gave me a, yes. you gave me a ride on it your shoulders. It would take you, me, and Cash in a trench coat to get anywhere near <laughs> Wouldn't Matt Wouldn't that be hilarious? Just have- Hello, one adult, please. <laughs> <laughs> because Cash is on top. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you can tell I'm holding I have my finger under my nose because that's definitely my adult mustache. Right. Hello. That's Matt Howie right there. Tell, tell me, tell me about, uh, tell me about Slack. What's the deal? Slack, with Slack is a. Here's how I want you to think of it. I want to reframe mm. your thinking of Slack. A lot of people come in, they say Slack. It, you can type stuff to your friends there. Let me let me reframe this for you. <laughs> it is a collaboration hub mm. that lets you organize your team's work in easily searchable channels. And each of these channels, I, lo- I love the channels in Slack. And, and a lot of the time, I have a, a Slack for Fireside customers. If you're a Fireside customer, you get an invite to the Slack. You get brought in. You get, I'm in there all the time. You can talk to me. You can suggest features. You know. But sometimes someone will come in and they'll be like, I, I, I don't know how to get more listeners on my podcast. And, and someone will inevitably say, you know what? We have a, a channel for that. So what the, hmm. what is really useful about that, and they'll say, and, and they'll invite them to that other channel. And they'll hop in that other channel. Now they're talking, and everyone in there is just talking about like how to get more listeners. And then there's another channel for like here's techniques that I use when I'm recording. All of these different things, and the reason that you don't just want them in one big chat is because now you can decide what kind of conversation you want to hear. So it, this works well for companies too. You might have a chat for the system administrators. You might have one for the developers. You might have one for the people who are doing the user experience. And then you might have one that's like overall technology team. And it's wonderful because then the people who are working on user interface stuff don't have to worry about the next database migration because they don't care you don't get, about that. You, know, you don't get burned out on having to see a lot of stuff that was never for you to begin because with. Because you know what happens then, Merlin, is you wind hmm. up tuning it out and you say, oh, forget you it, it I don't want to see this anymore. And then you miss stuff. Tune-out is an issue. They prevent the tune-out. They prevent the tune-out. They prevent the tune-out. And, uh, and so- If anything, people are going to tune in. They're going to tune in. They tune in. They tune in. That's Slack is tune in. They tune in. Hmm. And th- so you're going to reduce emails. You're going to streamline your team's communi- your teens communication. <laughs> uh, I hate you. You're, you're going to, you can do, they have, not only do they have the real-time messaging, they have video calls, they have voice calls, they have group file sharing. They have a searchable archive. My favorite thing is like, all oh, right, uh, what was that thing that, that Chad said, how to create a, a user in this thing and expire the thing? You don't, you don't have to call Chad to do that? You don't have to call Chad. I just search don't for it Don't call now. Chad. Tune in. Tune in to Slack. No, don't call Chad. Don't call Chad. 
Don't call chat. So there's no more searching through emails. There's no, oh, wait, was that an IM? Was it an email? Was it a thing? No, it's always in one place. They got drag and drop file sharing. Uh, and, and again, my tip, um, shift, control, command, four, select Ooh, the area of the screen that you want to do. And then that's in, your, that's in your clipboard. You can paste the screenshot right into Slack. You don't even need a file to do it. it it's amazing. It integrates with Whoa. Jira, Salesforce, Zendesk, Google Drive. And uh, there's over a thousand apps that you can plug into this. You want to see your GitHub commits show up in in the developer channel? You can do that. Like whatever you want to do, tune in, tune in, tune in. And they've Don't got call Chad. they've got mobile apps for iOS and Android that syncs so that you can uh, type something in at your computer and it's time to go. You just look at it on your phone. It's right there. You don't have to sync anything. It's just mm. automatically there. Everything is there. This is uh, Slack is where work happens. So you go to Slack. It's, it's good for the culture of your company. You can improve. If you're a good company, you can become an even gooder company. Don't call Chad. Tune into Slack. You, you can make it a good place with Slack. You're not going to be burdened and tuned out. Slack. Slack. I wish they had a better, more memorable URL. It's, it's, uh, they're stuck with Slack.com. Hmm. They don't have, have Slack, Slack.limo or anything no, like that? No, nothing. Slack. Hmm. That's a shame. Limo. Really, it's a lost opportunity. <laughs> Slack.limo. But, don't you know, they'll go deal with the dot .com. So Slack.com is where you go. Sign up. You can sign up for free. And then, listen, once you're doing something serious with this, don't be afraid to pay a little bit of money because you get really great features and great support uh, from these folks. They're wonderful, wonderful company. Slack.com. Thanks very much to Matt Howie for making this show possible. Buck, buck. And for the record, he had not, he 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 actually asked me. He's like, "How did you get Slack as a sponsor?" I know. <laughs> so he's not. It's a, it's like a dream. Yeah. It's like a letter from Santa. Yeah. All right. So I have this email here. Can you tell that I'm angry? Yeah. It's my favorite. <laughs> my my fall place. Yum yum yummy 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 on Irving Street. Yummy yummy. They're closed on Tuesdays. And it's like the Chick-fil-A of soup. It's like, you know, you always want a Chick-fil-A on <laughs> Sundays. Chick-fil-A it's like, sorry, soup. we're with the Lord. Yummy, yummy. For God's sake, yummy, yummy on Irving Street is closed on, who closes on Tuesdays? I don't know why you do that. I can't get my pho. <sighs> this is very, very upsetting to me, Dan. I was really, I've worked hard. I've worked hard. We've helped a lot of people today. And we're going to help more in a minute. But I really wanted to get my yummy, yummy Irving Street pho delivered. And they're not even open. Who closes on Tuesdays? I work on Tuesdays. I work for a living. Well, it, call it, me sergeant. I can I can sympathize or empathize with you because uh, here in Austin, where barbecue is king, mm-hmm. almost every barbecue place is closed uh, Mondays and Tuesdays, and sometimes Wednesdays. That's a Florida old people thing too. No, lots of places closed on Mondays in Florida. Like a restaurant that's open all weekend, they take they just Monday like to stop out. and just think about their life. Yeah. Oh, man, what it's are we disgusting. doing? Disgusting. What are we? What are we doing? Right, so here's here? a, you know what? If you're listening, yummy, <laughs> yummy, shame on you, yummy, <laughs> yummy, Ir- Irving Street. You have the best fuzz, as far as I'm concerned. Don't at me. You're not going to hear this because you're not open on Tuesday. Shame on you. We go live to Dan on the show floor. Okay. Well, here's another email from uh, listener hmm. listener Aaron, who is by the way Aaron is a super fan mm-hmm. and a, a super fan of the movie Highlander. Oh, nice. that explains. Oh, the, I see it. It's yes. right there. This is Aaron. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says, uh, Aaron <laughs> says, "Hi, Dan and Merlin. Hope you're doing well. Really enjoy the show, uh, and I have for quite a while. So thanks to both uh, you both for keeping it going. Here's what's going on. At work recently, I got put on a team for an. I love this question, Aaron. Thank you so much for sending us. At work recently, I got put on a team for an ongoing project. The project was a bit resource constrained and needed another senior dev to help out. Mid last week, when I was getting lunch." Uh, getting out lunch, the lead on the project sent me a message on Slack. Don't call Chad. Hey, 
would it be all right if I gave you some feedback? I saw this when I got back to my desk and responded, yeah, of course, though worry instantly hit me. I was wondering if I wasn't meeting expectations or if I did something wrong. It was making me feel a bit anxious. I went to focus on my work to keep getting more things done, but it did have me questioning things. About 20 minutes later, after I read the message, he responded, paraphrasing, I'm really impressed with what you've done so far in this project. Development productivity's increase, and you brought in such a positive, uh, positive presence to the team. I was relieved and thanked him for his kind words. My question for you both is, why did my mind go to the negative? And how can I try to stay positive about myself in terms of my career? I'm generally a positive person going outwards. I tend to look on the bright side of things with other people, and I don't let stress get to me all that much. I did think about it after... Was there anything else I've done or any other events that made me think I've done poorly? There wasn't really. It was just speculation on how I might be perceived. Anyway, thanks to you both for reading. I hope you have a lovely week. Aaron. Yeah. It's a and really good question. I, I, as soon as I started reading it, I'm thinking to myself, like, anytime somebody says, hey, can I give you some feedback? You're like, oh, crap. What have I done? Did I screw it up? Am I going to get fired? What did I mess up this time? Instead yeah. of thinking to yourself... I bet he's going to say I did a good job because I've been working so hard, you know. No, you're not psychotic. Nobody thinks that. <laughs> I know no one thinks We it. need to talk. Why, you know, and, and yes. this is... You get this, inside your own head, man. You're in there. You're in yep. there. And I was reading something else that somebody had said, and I forget if it was a tweet. I think it was a tweet that somebody had retweeted where they were saying that it, when your anxiety gets the better of you or when you start feeling pessimistic or you start having doubts about something that you want to happen... Um, the person was sharing, saying, my therapist says, ask yourself, what if the opposite happens? In other words, um, what if what if I fail that test? The opposite is, what if I do really well on the test? Like that yeah. can actually re- – and I've tried it and it works and it can really help derail that loop of, of – the downward spiral, as I like to call it, that looping kind mm-hmm. of a thought of like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Leap from one negative thing to the right. Next. Well, what what if I win in a huge way? Mm-hmm. You know, like what what if I did something really good and they want to tell me? You know, and and part of it I is never, never, never thought that. No, me neither. But yeah. why don't we? Why haven't we? Why didn't Aaron? It's bioavailability. It's it's like you know, like I mean, I I don't know how normal people feel. I've never understood normal people, but like I think <laughs> we all till our fields in our own way, and like. I am predisposed to thinking something terrible is going to happen. Why is that? Um, it feels protective. It feels like you're bracing yourself for something that could be damaging. Mm-hmm. But the trouble is when you start doing that all the time, it's not healthy. It's almost like you don't, you want to, yeah, bracing yourself is exactly how I describe well, it. Shame like, on that person for the compliment though. If you're going <laughs> to give somebody a compliment, give it immediately. <laughs> right. We'll begin by saying we're good. Right. Nothing's wrong. Everything is fine. Always start with a get out of here. Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. It's like Merlin, uh, we uh, really need we to have a conversation. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Precisely so. Office. Uh, well, well oh, no. <laughs> right. That can't be good. If it was good, you'd say, hey, great work on the thing. You know, like, <laughs> uh, I have some feedback I need yeah. to relay to you, uh, hopefully later yeah. today uh, at three. And it's uh, yeah. 10 a.m. now. So I'll see you at My three. office now. Right. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I don't know any other way to be in life than that way. Um, people who aren't like that seem mental to me, but it does seem very healthy. I mean, how, how horrible of a person am I knowing that anytime you say some to someone, uh, there's something I'd like to talk to you about. 
and then scheduling it out for an hour or two will make the person stress a little bit. I've done that to employees on oh, purpose. It's, it's a terrible thing to do to on somebody. Purpose. Well, like uh, we like when I, this. when I was giving someone a raise, that's how I did. It was a big raise, and I was like, uh, "We need to have a talk about." Uh, oh, you were so bad. That's and, terrible. Uh, and things, and uh, and then and this. Let's talk. I'm busy now. Let's talk in half an hour. And they're sitting Ugh. right there, and they can look at you at your desk. You can see them at their desk, and you're just not talking. No, and that's, you're just that's like terrorism. sending emails that's and stuff. Plain and simple. Total and then they terrorism. freak out, and then they they like you sit down and you talk. You're like, well, um, congratulations, you're getting a raise. You've been doing great. And like, oh my god, I thought you were going to fire me. Like, I'm glad you thought that because now it's a very Gordon Ramsay thing. Yeah, to do. now you'll work really hard. Ugh. yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's go see what Aaron says here. Um, thank you for kind words. <laughs> Why did my mind go to the negative? Right. And how can I try to stay positive? I mean, I guess the simple answer that I don't really believe is you could be more mindful about it, which is to, you know, I mean, something that is useful for, if you're an anxious person or not is to look at the facts and evidence. This is somewhat of a, a little bit of a CBT ish strategy, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is like, you know, something happened and now I feel an emotion. What was it that caused an event in the world to lead to me feeling an emotion? Well, you know, if in this case, your boss or this person, as a boss, says to you, said something to you, and now you have this emotion. So what happened in between? You know, only you can really kind of figure out what that link is. But I'm going to say it's even worse than that. I think a thought can cause an emotion. And mm. then that sends you off reeling in a direction. You don't really need anything to happen in life to be scared of everything. You can do that just fine. You can provide all of that by yourself. But if you're feeling the clutches of that, stop for a minute and go, you know what? Like, like Dan likes to say, you're just a guy in a room. That's or a right. gal in a room or a gender fluid person in a room. I don't really have a feeling on it. Right. But you say, I'm a person in a room and I am a person and I am here and I am not dead. I am not on fire. And just, just kind of take a second and like realize that like, realize how much of that is a boil that you are creating. Like you're causing this rolling boil of emotions in your head based on relatively nothing. And sometimes you can catch a little break, get a little little bit of light, a little bit of air uh, when you do that. that. That would be my thought. What's your thought? I, I love that. I mean, I think it's it's definitely, you know, you, you ha- if, if, I guess the tricky part is m- most of us know when we've screwed up, right? But it's not knowing that we've screwed up that really scares us. Like, you know, if you, if you, did a half-ass job on something or if you, yes. you know, accidentally emptied the trash and that file was in there or something, you know what I mean? Like you, you generally know when you've done something wrong, you have a feeling for it, but when you don't know and someone mm-hmm. else might know, I mean, why else would they want to talk to you? And mm-hmm. it's not enough because there's, I, I have, I'm trying to think if I've ever been in a situation where I thought I was doing a really good job and then found out I was doing a horrible job and I can't, nothing comes to mind. I'm sure it's happened, but that's the fear, isn't it? That you, you're like, you don't want to be oblivious. You don't want to be ignorant to the fact that like you're screwing up and you didn't know you were screwing up. Yeah, That's the fear. there's there's, There's definitely levels. There's several levels to it, to the crappiness that you can feel about that. Well, let's just be positive and say, congratulations to AA Ron. Good job. Yeah. Don't call Chad. No, you don't want to call Chad anyway. Can't believe who closes on a Tuesday. That doesn't even make any sense. Stupid. And there's nowhere else you can go to get the pho? 
Yes, but they have the one that I like, and I have a special way that I get it, and I do it, and I make a bespoke combination of flavors together, and I it's a whole ritual for me, and and the whole preparation of it is I'm very involved. It's almost like a like a meal delivery service. Like I do a lot to the pho. Is it? Um, is I treat it, it very heavily. Do you, are you putting that stuff in, or are you sort of walking them through what you yeah, want? Yeah, so in basically, it? it comes with. I can't believe I'm even these jackals. It comes with a big thing of broth, in this case, beef broth. And then, depending on what kind of pho you get, in my case, it comes with uh, well done brisket, uh, rare, uh, or really almost raw uh, ribeye, sliced super thin, uh, a couple half, three half meatballs, uh, and then some tripe and some. Um, it's the stuff I throw out, the real like the, the creepy like the stuff. I don't I don't eat the tripe. I'm not into that. You don't care. I heat up you heat the broth. You put the broth into into a, a beaker or similar and I heat it for two whole minutes. You want it to be practically boiling. Super duper duper. And now you're gonna go to preparing the rest of this. So you take out the plastic bag that comes with the cilantro and, and the other green stuff, you cut that up the way you like it, right? You you can set that aside, mm-hmm. set the onions aside, all the stuff that's like the cold ingredients, it's like a McDLT except Vietnamese. You keep all that stuff aside. You get your noodles. In my case, I cut the noodles up into eighths. I do like an octa noodle, because at this point it's all one big noodle pile. Then, now, I'm going to, over the noodles, before I put anything in, at this point, it's just noodles and meat. And over that, I put sriracha. Over that, I put lots of soy sauce. Over that, I'll put some of that uh, Japanese uh, spicy red pepper stuff that you put on um, uh, udon. Mm -hmm. Put that in. Now, now. I'm going to introduce the super hot broth because the thing is all those ingredients in there are going to cool it off. This heats up all the meats. And now on top of that, I put all the cilantros. I put the the lime or lemon juice. I put all that on. I cover it up. And now I've got got a nice meal. But I can't get it today because it's Tuesday. Do you ever eat pho? Uh, Not as much because I can't find a place that doesn't. Well, this is. Yeah, here you go. See, back to the problem. It's just not. It's not right. I can't find a place. It's paleo all the way down. Can't find a place that does it right. I don't know what I'm going to do today. I'll figure it out. This is really a terrible situation to leave me. Yummy, yummy, shame on you. Call yourself yummy, yummy, close on Tuesdays. What kind of person does that? Irving Street, they're really good. Check them out. Nothing else you can do. No other place you can go. What can you do? What are you going to do? What can you do? Okay, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.